We are finishing our series, uh, taking a look at the, the uh, book of Romans, chapters 1 through 4, and today we're going to be in chapter 4. So if you have a Bible that we provided, you can take it out and turn with me to page 783, or if you brought your own Bible, we'll begin looking at Romans chapter 4 today, uh, beginning in verse 18. So we've been walking through the first four books of the Romans for the past uh, several weeks, and we've been taking a look at this idea of pleading the fifth. And this idea is that before God, in the courtroom of faith, we have nothing in and of ourselves to bring before the Lord to find ourselves justified. That each one of us stands before the Lord completely condemned because we all have sinned and we've all fallen short of God's standard. And so what is our hope? What is our chances? And how do we become right with God? That's kind of how we, what we've been walking through. And last week we took a look at the, the, the reality of all of this is that the, uh, the only way that we can become right with God is not based on works, not based on uh, our religion. It's not based on anything else other than the object of our faith. What is the object that we are placing our faith in? What is our only hope? What is um, our only chance? And we saw for the past couple weeks, we saw that our only hope and the object of our faith needs to be Christ. For it is in Christ, the God-man who was completely God and completely man, came to earth, lived a perfect life in complete obedience to the Father every step of his life. Then he went to a cross, and in that cross, all of the sin of the world was placed on him. He became the sacrifice for all men for all time. And it's through his death on the cross, his perfect death on the cross, and through his resurrection again, that we can have hope that God will take away and he will forgive us of our sins and we can have a relationship with God restored. So he is our object of faith. And so today we're going to look at living by faith. How is it that we live by faith? And I wanted to, as we begin taking a look at this idea of living by faith and walking in faith, I wanted us to think back to the moments in our life, early on in your life, when you learned how to walk. Do you remember when you learned how to walk? Anyone remember when you learned how to walk? Well, I want to show you a picture of someone this week that learned how to walk. Can you go ahead and show us that video? Everyone recognize that little face? That's little Levi. Yes, he is so cute. Oh, 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 oh. Look at that. Do you guys remember that moment in your life? Well, what's amazing about this, and you can keep playing it, that's fun, uh, is, is that little Levi, for his life so far, he has never been able to walk on his own. He's always had to be held, he's been able, he's had to be carried around, or he's, someone else has had to help him move. But now he's learning to walk and has learned how to walk. And you know what the amazing thing about learning to walk? Is once you learn it, once you experience it, unless there's an injury in your life where you have some um, sort of injury that impacts your brain or impacts your balance, you never have to go back. Once you learn it, like how many of you woke up this morning and as you got out of bed you thought to yourself, okay balance, find something to hold on to if you can't, right foot in front of the left foot. How many of us actually went through that in our, in our minds this morning? Or how many of you just kind of popped out of bed and you just started walking? That's the amazing thing about learning how to walk in some things in life. Once we learn them, we no longer have to relearn them. Even though in the process of learning, we're stumbling and we're trying to figure it all out, once we learn it, we don't have to go back and relearn it. I want us to see this morning that faith is not like that. Faith is not 
like that. Faith is not something that at a moment in life you experience and then never have to relive it or have to relearn it again. Faith is something that is a, po- a moment in life where we place an, our faith in an object, but then there's also this life of faith where we're relearning how to live in faith. Not relearning how to be saved or re getting re-saved or being uh, forgiven all over again, but it's this experience of learning how to live in faith. And what we've seen already is we come to God through faith in Christ. We come to God through faith in Christ. And in that process of coming to faith in Christ, what we do is we lay down our own thoughts, we lay down our own affections, and we lay down our will before the Father. We lay all of who we are, where we come to the realize that there's nothing I can do to save myself. There's nothing that I can do to be in right standing with God, and we lay that down. And then this beautiful transaction takes place. When we lay ourselves down and we trust in Christ in faith, Christ's righteousness becomes ours. We, in the sight of God and before a holy and righteous God, we become right. That's a moment. That's a place in time. But from that moment, we continue to live in faith. And so we walk in faith. That's why Romans chapter 1, we saw that the righteous will live by faith. And in that verse, there's two aspects of the righteous will live by faith. Both faith being a point in life, but also faith being a journey. It's the journey of life. And so last week, as we looked at the life of Abraham, as Paul begins to kind of meld all this life of faith together, he gives us a great example of the life of Abraham. And last week, we looked at the point in Abraham's life where Christ or God became the object of his faith. In that moment where he let go of his will, where he let go of his affections, where he let go of all of his thoughts, and he said, in God alone, I find all of my hope. In God alone, I find my only assurance for life. And so today we're going to look at, from the word of God, we're going to look at Paul's, or, or Abraham's life of faith. We saw last week also that there was a, a promise made. The promise was made to Abraham that he would become the father of many nations, that he, his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky, that God in his great plan of redemption was going to use Abraham in a very specific way, but also in a very general way to show his plan of salvation for all eternity. And so this, this promise was made to Abraham, but then Abraham had to come to the place where he placed faith, and when he did that, then there was this gift given. So look with me today as we are going to continue to look at that in Romans chapter 4, beginning in verse 18. And you're going to see again this, this theme of a promise giving, faith placed, and a gift given. Verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was years old, about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. 
being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written, not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your words today. Father, we thank you that through your word of truth and your word of life, we can look back and we can see those that have gone before us. We can look to the example of their life and how they trusted in you, and we can find encouragement today. But also in your word today, we can find the keys to the struggle in our own life. For Father, we know today that we will always, always, always be disappointed in life. We will never, ever, ever find the peace that you promise if we're living life in our own strength and power. Help the reality of that to rest on us today. For those of us that are here today that are still living our lives by ourselves and for ourselves, Father, may you bring about a great conviction in our hearts today. But Father, for those of us who have come to understand that Christ brings forgiveness through his work on the cross and through his resurrection, that we can have hope and we can have purpose and we can have meaning. And so Father, today, help us be reminded of that. Father, today speak, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this morning, I want us to spend just a few moments as we begin to look at a life or to live a life by faith. I want us to look at Abraham's life of faith. And I I love the way Paul uses uh, this example of Abraham. For Abraham was one that we always look to. Abraham was a main character in the Old Testament. We see that he is, the Old Testament was brought about through him and the promise of God's people was brought about to him. But we also see him continually being brought about in the New Testament as an example of faith and as the people of God who believe in Christ now are beginning to live, we see that God throughout all history and throughout time doesn't change the rules. He doesn't change the path to salvation. He doesn't change the path to a a, a reconciled relationship with God. He just adds to it. And so we see that Abraham was important, and I love how Paul goes back to him, and we see that um, we see the promise that God gave Abraham become a reality. For we remember, as we looked last week also, we went back to Genesis chapter 15, and as the promise of God was clearly given, it was a promise of a future reality. And I love the, the, the passage of Romans that we saw today is that the Abraham was also not looking forward just for a son and for the promise to be revealed in his life of being the father of many nations. But Abraham was looking forward. He was, had his hope in an eternal kingdom of God that was to come, that the foundations would, never, would be continually established throughout all eternity. Abraham was looking forward to heaven. Abraham was looking forward to being reunited with God in a way that he was able to have peace. And so this was a promise that was given to him of a future reality. And when God makes a promise, God always comes through in his promises. You need to hear that this morning. When God makes a promise, whether it be a universal promise or a specific promise, God always, 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 always will bring about that promise to fruition. The challenge is, though, With the promises of God, there's always space and time. 
For when God makes a promise, he doesn't always instantaneously bring about the, the recurring of that promise. But a lot of times when God makes a promise, there's space and time for that development or that reality to develop. And that becomes the challenge of our life, is living in that space and time. As we wait for the Lord to carry out and bring about his promises. For we see that Abraham saw the promises of God and believed and he was going to receive personal benefit for those promises of God. But he was also a bigger part of God's plan of redemption. Abraham lived a life, as we can see in Romans, and we can see in Hebrews, and we can see in other places, that Abraham lived a life that was full of faith, a life that was full of hope, and a life that was full of love. These are three virtues that we see carried out through the New Testament as well that should be identifiers of the life of someone that has faith in Christ. For it's our faith. We have faith in the work of Christ. And so we have something to strongly live and build our foundation of life on. We have something to hope for. We have a promise that is to come. And then we also have one that has loved us so we can live a life of love. But we see here as we begin of this passage in verse 18, we see that this promise was given and Abraham founded his life in hope. Abraham had placed his faith in God but also lived his life in hope. Now there's a difference in hope here. And we see this here as there's two different types of hope. Against all hope, Abraham in hope. Now, what Paul is doing here is he's pushing up and against two types of hope. There's this idea of worldly hope, and then there's this idea of heavenly hope or biblical hope. Now, this idea of biblical hope that that, uh, Abraham is placing his life in, this idea of biblical hope is a confident expectation for for the future based on a clear picture. It's a confident expectation for the future based on a clear picture. This type of hope never disappoints. It's a confidence. When the Lord gives us a clear picture of what is to come, today we can live in light of the challenges and the struggles knowing that that day is to come. Now here's the hope that we have and here's the hope that we can live in today. Our hope is that because of God's Christ's work in the past, we can be redeemed and stand before God fully justified. That's our hope. But then our hope is also an eternal hope. Our eternal hope is that because of our faith in Christ, in the future, we will be able to spend eternity with God fully, fully, fully made whole. That there will be no separation between us and a holy, righteous God. That we'll be able to live for eternity the way that he has made us, fully unhindered. We won't ever have to sleep. We won't ever have to eat. We won't ever have to care for our children. For all those things are good, but all of those things get in the way of our worship of God. How many of you right now are like, okay, I'm here mentally, but my mind is somewhere else. Like you're thinking, just a few moments you're thinking about, well, this afternoon I've got to make sure that we have lunch. Well, where are we going to go eat lunch? What are we going to have for lunch? Where, what are we going to do after that? What still needs to get done around the house? Are, they, are the kids ready for this week? And so our minds begin to think about that. But imagine for a moment that you're able to worship God without any of those things getting in the way. Or maybe you're here this morning and you, you've begun to work out again and your body's sore. 
And like when, when Terry asks you, let's stand together and worship the Lord, you're like, oh, you like that? Those things get in the way of our worship because your mind immediately is taken off the Lord and it's placed on your body. Imagine for a moment what it will be like when you're able to worship the Lord completely unhindered. That's a hope. And we can be confident today and we can expect that that is going to take place. So whether the trials of life come, whether everything around us seems like it's crumbling down, we have hope in something that is sure, something that will happen. That's the hope of the Bible. But then there's the hope of this world. And this is the hope that we know. This is the hope that we've lived in. This hope that the world promises is a desire for the future. It's a desire. It's not an expectation. It's a desire for the future. And many times those desires for the future are based on illusions. That's the best the world has to offer. That's why if you go through and read poetry and you hear about about hope, we, we hear about hope, we see this in different writings and we see in different lives. What do we also know about hope according to writings and poets? Is that that type of hope doesn't always pan out. The hope in a love relationship, like you see these, these great books that are written about hope and love and all these other things, what happens in a lot of those love stories that we see? Usually ends in tragedy, right? Like maybe the guy doesn't get the girl. Like this week I was reading a post, um, it was just a story made up about two people that were sitting on the subway in New York and they looked at each other and uh, they, the guy had this affection for the girl and instantaneously the girl had the affection for this guy and for 60 years they never engaged each other and they rode the, um, the subway for 60 years and finally she gets off the subway and leaves and the man's left thinking to himself, what did I do? I just wasted my life and didn't engage. And, and so we see that that kind of hope doesn't ever pan out. That kind of hope is an illusion, and that kind of hope wavers. That kind of hope always disappoints. For there was a time in my life where I had great hope in something. How many of you guys have ever been in a grocery store, and you see that whether it's Wonder Bread or some, some other type of item is on special, and they have this big, huge display for an item, and they're always giving away, there's like a, fill out this card, and you put it in, and you win this prize. You guys seen those before? When I was a child, there was a store we went into, and we went in, it was Wonder Bread, and, and I saw the Wonder Bread a big display, and they were giving away a Wonder Bread go-kart. If you fill out the form and you put your name on it, you put it in the box, the drawing was going to come up and you could win the Wonder Bread go-kart. And I thought to myself, as soon as I'm filling that little card out, I'm like, man, what would my friends think if I'm driving around our little neighborhood in my little Wonder Bread go-kart? I would be the coolest guy ever. And so as I'm, I'm putting that in, you ever have that feeling where you're, you're entering a sweepstakes and you're like, I just know I'm going to win? Like, I know I'm going to win this. I'm going to do this, and I know I'm going to win. And so I put it in there, and the drawing wasn't for another 45 days. And so I went home that day afternoon, and I started writing on my calendar the countdown for the days because I knew I was going to have this Wonder Bread go-kart, and I was looking forward to it every single day. I was like, I can't wait. And so I imagined over and over and over again what my life was going to be like like going off into sunset with my little go-kart and driving around and all my friends just like, oh, you're the coolest guy ever. And I'm like, no one else is going to ride my cool go-kart except for me. And I even had a space as the day became closer. I even went to our shed and I made space in our shed for this go-kart. So I had hope. I mean, my hope was solely in this sweepstakes. And as the day got closer and closer, my expectation got higher and higher and higher. And the Friday before the, um, the drawing was going to be taking place. 
I got really, really sick. Fever, nausea, and all this, and I got stuck in bed. And I was just, I, I was like, I can't believe this is happening to me. I'm supposed to like tomorrow go get my go-kart and it's going to be here. They're either going to bring it in this big semi to my house. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I pictured in my mind they were going to bring the semi, semi, unload it, and there would be lots of people with fanfare and, and balloons and all this other stuff. And so I thought for sure it was all going to be there. And then I got sick, like deathly sick, like the worst sickness I'd ever experienced in my life. And it wasn't just this 24-hour bug. It was like the 72-hour thing that just wouldn't go away. And so I was stuck in bed. And as my fever raged, my visions as I would go to sleep and come in and out of consciousness became bigger and bigger. And I just knew the go-kart was going to be there. And so Saturday came, in and out of consciousness. They could have shown up with the big old um, semi. I never would have known it. But Sunday morning came. And I just knew that my parents, because they didn't make a big deal about it, they knew I was sick, they were keeping it silent. I knew I was going to go out into my shed and it was going to be sitting in this place that I had set aside for us. So Sunday morning before church, I was feeling a little bit better and I got my stuff together and I ran out to the shed, opened up the doors and guess what I saw? There was no go-kart there. Not at all. And so instantaneously, I just dropped to the ground, and I started weeping like a little baby. And I'm like, where's my go-kart? And all of my dreams and hopes were trashed in just that moment. That is the best this world has to offer. If you're placing your hope in the things of this world, that's as good as it gets. Because you will always be disappointed. But that is not the type of hope that we see Abraham having here. His hope was placed in someone that was powerful enough to carry out the promises that he gave. Let's look here just at this passage as we, as we look at all of the odds that were stacked against Abraham. Abraham was, had been given this promise. He placed his faith in God and through hope he believed he hoped in the belief, he hoped in the promise that God had given him, even though this promise seemed completely impossible. For this promise absolutely challenged his mind, his affections, and his will. We see here it challenged his mind because Abraham was tired. Abraham was almost 100 years old. Now, how many people today, how many 100-year-old people today do you see becoming fathers for the first time? Does that happen? I tell you, if it did, it'd be all over Yahoo. You'd be pictures all over it. It'd make the internet. They're, they're, it would go viral in just seconds. But Abraham, it says here, Abraham was tired. And if Abraham was going to have a child, he needed his wife. He needed Sarah. And what do we see about Sarah? It says that her womb was dead. She herself was well beyond child-rearing years. And her womb was dead. So the world, so imagine this. So Abraham's going to hang out with his buddies. He's like, guess what, guys? God has promised me that I'm going to have a child. They're like, what? You're 100 years old. And your wife, she's not looking so good. <laughs> not going to happen. Look, it's just, it just can't happen. Abraham's like, yeah, I know it's going to happen. God has promised. And so his mind was completely challenged. But his affections were challenged. For imagine this. The Lord comes to you and he gives you a promise. What does that do to your heart? It immediately just says, God, 
you love me. You've given me a great promise. And immediately your heart gets turned towards the promise. And you begin to expect that that promise is going to come about. So your heart changes. You can't wait for that promise to come. But then it impacts your will. Because as the days pass, as the distance from the promise to the fulfillment come, every single day becomes a challenge of your will. Do I still trust? Do I still believe? And so we see in verses 20 through 21, the life of Abraham. It says that they didn't waver regarding the promise, but instead he was strengthened in his faith. And as he's walking through this, he gave glory to God. That's the whole purpose of space and time. The whole purpose of space and time, the reason that God does not give us his promise immediately is that there's these things that have to take place. One, there needs to be this this challenge of our faith to really make sure that it really is real. But then there's this strengthening of our faith. We become stronger in our trust for the Lord. And then, in the end, the purpose of all of it is so that it brings glory to God. So those outside looking at our lives as we go through the challenges, they see that our steadfastness in God doesn't change. And they look at that and they say, I don't have that. And they say, what is it about you? You say, well, it's God. God working through me. God working in me that has allowed me to have this faith. But I want us to be reminded of something that's pretty amazing here today. Is if you walk through the life of Abraham, you know and I know, those of us that have studied the Bible, Abraham's life was not perfect. Abraham didn't completely and perfectly live out the will of God. That was Christ. We see Abraham struggled. Abraham had challenges. But what we see is Abraham was always making steps in the right direction. For do you remember that Abraham's faith was challenged? In verse, uh, chapter 15 of Genesis, we see the promises given. We see that you will be the father of many nations. But then in chapter 16, do you guys remember what took place in chapter 16? Sarah, who's becoming older in years, she realizes her womb is is dead, according to Scripture. What does she do? She comes up with this idea of how she can bring about God's plan in her husband's life and in her life. She says, she goes to Abraham one day and says, you know, God has given you this promise. Let's see if we can make it happen. Now, that's the beauty of your wife, if you're a husband. You've got a wife that's going to help you carry out the will of God sometimes, right? She knows better than you do, and so many times, because she really does, we trust her. Well, we see that sometimes just trusting her wives gives us in trouble. I can think of two good, two good examples. This example, and in the garden. You remember what took place in the garden? That's a joke. <laughs> trust your wives, love your wives, but lead your wives. That's the challenge. And so in this, we see Sarah comes to Abraham and she says, well, I know God has given you this promise, so what I want you to do is I'm going to give you my servant Hagar. Be with her, have a child with her, and continue to fulfill the plan of God. So wait a minute. Abraham has a child, Ishmael, through Hagar. How is it then that we can come to chapter 5 and it be said about this, that Abraham didn't waver? that he was strengthened in faith, and that he gave glory to God. How is it? How is it that he can do that? How is it that he can mess up in our minds? How can he mess up so royally and miss the plan of God so greatly? And how then can we also look here, and also in Hebrews, and the Bible continue to say, he was a man of faith. 
This is how, this is how we reconcile it. Abraham experienced in his life a temporary lack of faith, not a loss of faith. It was a temporary lack of faith where the challenges of life were moment, in a moment he gave up his mind, in a moment he gave up his affections, in the moment he gave up his will to something else other than God. And in that moment, something took place, but we can see that even though there was a lack of faith, we pull back and look at the overall trajectory of his life, we see that his life was moving continually more and more towards faithfulness. Think of it like this. In the life of a believer, someone that has faith in Christ, it's possible for a day snapshot in the life of a believer to look a lot like a stock in the stock exchange. Now, how many of you guys have stock? You guys know the stock exchange and you're like looking at stocks and everything like that and you have a specific stock. How many of you guys ever watch your stock during the day? Okay, if you watch your specific stock during the day, what does it do? Like, does this kind of deal, right? It has this, this crazy, erratic change where one moment it's like sell, 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 buy, buy, buy. It goes crazy, crazy, crazy on a day-by-day basis. Now, imagine for a moment, you're not so concerned, as an investor, you're not so concerned about the day of a specific stock. What you're more interested in is, is pulling back through space and time and looking more at how that stock is doing over time, right? Is that stock over time, over a year basis, over a 10-year basis, is that stock continuing to, to gain or is that stock continuing to decline? And in some ways, that's the way that the Lord looks at people of faith. For a day-by-day basis, for an individual believer, your day may be as erratic as a stock. But what God is more concerned with as you pull back from space and time is the the trajectory of your life towards more faithfulness or towards less faithfulness. For I've had those days, and I'm sure you have too, where you wake up in the morning and the first thing you do before your feet hit the ground is you say, God, today I give you my mind. God, today I give you my heart. God, today I give you my hands. I trust you. Today is your day. Use me however you see fit. That should be the heart of the believer as they wake up. And then life begins to happen. And it might not even be before you even get out of the door to get in your car to go to work or begin your day, you've already lost faith. Like you've, you've stopped and you've begun to look at the life and the challenges of your life. You begin to put it back together. You're like, okay, I gotta fix this, I gotta fix this, I gotta fix this, and I gotta fix this. So by lunchtime, you think to yourself, man, I've just failed because the Spirit of God comes in and says, hey, you're trying to do it on your own all over again. And so in that moment, you have to go back to that place of saying, God, again, I trust you. My mind, my heart, my hands, I give them to you. How many of you guys have had those days where by the time you lay your head at bed at night, you're like, today was a crazy day. I had faith that I didn't have faith. I trusted, but then I didn't trust. You guys ever have days like those? Yeah, I have days like that myself. And if you live just looking at the day, you will live defeated. But there are times in which we must stop and pull back and look at the trajectory of our life and say, you know what, today I found myself more faithful than I was eight years ago. Eight years ago, I didn't trust God with my finances. Now today, guess what? I trust God in my finances because every single day, little by little, I became more and more, I had more and more faith. And as I was faithful in the little things, God allowed me to be faithful in the larger But here's also the difference about faith as we look at the life of Abraham. Abraham knew the God in whom he believed. Abraham knew 
that the God in whom he believed was able to do what Abraham could not. For there's nothing that Abraham could do in and of himself to bring about the promise of God. It wasn't until Abraham let go and allowed God to just work. In his timing and in his way, we see in chapter 20 of Genesis that this promise of a child was fulfilled. That specific promise. But we also saw last week that even in today in our lives, the greater, greater promise continues as more and more people come to faith. The promise that God gave Abraham is continuing to live itself out. But then we see a gift is given in verse 22. Verse 22, it's the same gift that we saw last week. That is, that's why it says it was credited to him as righteousness. It was credited to him as righteousness. Now, this is, this is the challenge of it all. Now, there's nothing that Abraham could do to earn salvation. There's nothing he could do to earn favor with God. But when we are obedient to God, we get more of God. Like, as we're, the more obedient we are to the plans he has for our lives, the more we let go of ourselves, the more draw, the, the closer God draws to us. And the more we are faithful in little things, the more God gives us to be faithful in bigger things. There'll be a gift that is given. But then I love verses 23 through 25. For so many times we come to the word of God and we, we see how God interacts with other people. And we think to ourselves, well, that's how God used to live. That's how God used to intercede. And that's how God used to work. He doesn't do that today. But then I love what Paul does here in, in Romans. He says, this was not only just for Abraham. This is not just something that was in the Old Testament. This is not just something that spiritual giants get to experience. But he says this. He says, this is for us. These words, it was credited to him, were not just written for him alone, but also for us. This is how we can live. We can live in faith. We can live in hope. We can have righteousness credited to us. Why? Because our hope no longer is in a future coming sacrifice, but our hope is in one that has come. For Jesus has come jesus has come to take on our sins jesus has come and he was raised from the dead and it's through jesus we can be delivered from our death and sin and we can have justification before a holy and righteous god so our hope is in a point of faith if you're here today and you've never placed your faith in christ You're missing the life that God wants you to have. If you're here today and you're thinking to yourself, well, where is it that I'm placing my faith for my life? Where is my confidence in? Is my confidence found in my job? Is my confidence found in my relationships? Is my confidence found in my family name? Is my confidence found in something else? And if your confidence is found in something else other than Christ, you're missing it. For that, whatever it is, will disappoint you. For Christ has come so that you may be forgiven. He's come so that we may have hope in an eternity. But we also see that our faith is in a great power. Just as uh, Abraham's faith was in the great power of God to open a womb and cause life. Our hope 
is in the fake, er, our hope is in the fact that God has the power to take someone that was dead and make them alive again. If he has the power to raise Christ from the dead, he can take me in my sin, in my shame, and my dirt, and my filth, and all of my struggles, and all of my trials, and all of my challenges, and all my ugliness, and he can breathe new life into me. And if he can do it in me, he can do it in you. But then we also see that not only is there this point of faith that we see this promised here, but there's this life of faith. If you are living your life and trying to to work your way through or live this life of faith, I wanted to remind you that in this word, in this Bible, you can almost open it up to any page and you can see that God gives you promises for your everyday life. He gives you promises for your everyday life so you can place hope in these biblical promises. Uh, some of them he, I can just think of offhand is that the Bible promises that he'll never leave us or forsake us. So if you're going through life's joys, if you're going through life's challenges, he will never leave you or forsake you. He also promises my peace I give you, that he promises to give us peace. We also see that in other places he gives us a promise to fulfill the desires of our heart. Now, this is a big one that I want to just camp on just for a moment. If there's a promise that God gives us that he will give us the desires of our heart, then many times we live in the waiting of that. God, first, he'll give us the desire. He'll place a desire in us. Then it becomes the desire he's placed. It becomes our desire. And then we have to wait. I think back to the time that God had placed into my desire, placed within me the desire to be married. Like that happened very young in life. I was probably five years old when I first saw a girl and first thought in my mind, wow, she's pretty, I'd like to hold her hand. Like so that promise was placed within me, that desire was placed within me at the age of five. And guess what, it wasn't until I was 23 that that actually got a chance to come to fruition. So from that moment of uh, age five to age 23 when I was finally married, there were lots of struggles there were lots of challenges as every single day I had to continue to hope in that promise. It was a desire that God gave, but I had to be reminded that he will fulfill the desires of my heart in his timing and his way. And there were many times in the past that initially every time a, a girl would come into my life that was new, especially as I got 15, 16, 17, 18, immediately my mind was like, God, is this the one? Like I could meet a girl in a park and immediately my mind was like, hey, how's it going? My name's Jeff. Are you the one? And so continually had to do that over and over and over again and continue to ask the God, God, is this the one? God, is this the one? God, is this the one? And no, it wasn't at that time until the Lord showed me who he wanted me to be. But it was hard. I remember there were nights that I would go to bed at night thinking I was all alone, that God was never, ever, ever going to allow me to be married. And I desired that. And finally, he did. But you know, as, I, as you look back and as I get further and further away from that, And I look back and I see those days that seem like the erratic faith. I can look back now and say I didn't waver. I didn't go ahead and get married to someone else. I didn't just find someone and say, okay, I'm tired of waiting. Let's just get it done. But no, I was strengthened in my faith. For that faith and that waiting for my spouse helped me as we, Sarah and I, waited for children. And all of those challenges that come along with waiting for children. 
But it also helps me now, as we now have children, as I'm now in this place of waiting for God to be real to my children and give them faith. That's my hope now as well. And I'm in that period where I'm praying for them. I'm hoping. But you can see that that has all of those other steps has helped prepare me to have faith now. And in the end, have an opportunity to give glory to God. For as my children say, Mom and Dad, tell me, tell me how you met. I love this story. Tell us the story again of how, how Mommy and Daddy, how you guys met. And every time I get to retell the story of how God put, put us together, it's an opportunity to give glory to God. So my question to you as we come to our time of close today, is your challenge today a point of faith? Do you need to come to a place where you change the object of your faith? Where you realize that you no longer can just place your faith in yourself and your works or your friends. You need to place your faith in Christ. If that's you, I encourage you to do that today. And you can simply do that just through praying and say, God, forgive me. God, I believe that Jesus is my only hope. And today I change all of that. I lay all of myself down at Christ and make his work mine. Or maybe you're here today and you're living this life of faith and you are challenged in your faith. You have promises from God. But in this walk of life, you're struggling in those challenges. I want to encourage you today. If that's you, resubmit your mind, resubmit your affections, and resubmit your will to the Lord, and he will give you strength.